Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, let this uh, message this morning, let it be just a preparation. This is, um, the meal is coming. We're going to have communion and celebrate our, our communion with the Lord in just a few minutes. Um, I'm going to talk, you know, it's, this is a prophetic song. I didn't have, tell him to sing this song. I'm, I'm preaching about the goodness of God this morning. And, uh, you know, I was, it's really amazing. I was, um, read a, I'm reading a book. It's the strangest book for me to read of all, of all things. It's called A Brief History of Time. It's a secular book. And it's written by a physicist, a scientist, who's done research on the origin of the universe, black holes, all this stuff. This guy is blowing my mind. You know, he's like... But the thing that's so strange to me, he's not a believer, doesn't believe in the afterlife, but he he describes the creation and the greatness of this creation and how it started. And it's pretty amazing. In the beginning, God spoke and there was was an explosion. It's like, it's it's beyond comprehension. And I've been thinking about this, you know, this guy's understanding of the universe is stretching my understanding of the greatness of God and his creativity and thinking about, um, you know, just how God has revealed himself in the natural. He's revealed his attributes. Paul said his divine attributes are seen in creation itself. And we can, if, you, if you're a, an, an honest seeker of truth and you take any facet, whether it's the study of the universe, you can come to this incredible, you'll be brought to an incredible revelation of the greatness of our God. But what, I, what I've seen, you know, from reading this is this guy is able to understand and, and begin to get a glimpse of, a, of the greatness of God without having a revelation of his goodness and not knowing him. God, God reveals his goodness to us and he wins our hearts. He reveals his goodness. His, his, his creation describes his greatness. His goodness is revealed in the person, Jesus Christ. This incredible person. An incredible person, and and I want to. We're just gonna we're gonna dig around that just the goodness of God this morning, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will just, if maybe one verse that I read or one thing that I say or one 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 example that I give would would quicken something in your mind that you would catch a a glimpse of the goodness of God and how He loves you so. How he loves you so. And, and when we begin to discover that and believe it and embrace that, the goodness of God and his love for us, we open ourselves up to oceans of his love, washing us, healing us, changing us, equipping us, doing everything in our life that we've dreamed that could happen. It comes from the goodness of God. So let's, let me just take you on this little journey. His, his very essence, the very essence and nature of God, his very essence is good. Psalm, 10, Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5, one of David's psalms, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. Everyone say that with me, the Lord is good. Now, when, when I say the Lord is good, I want to I say it with the meaning that David had. I don't want to say it with the meaning with modern trite Christian slogans. This is not a, a trite Christian slogan. This is not God is good all the time, all the time God is good. That's not what I'm talking about. Because that, you know, that, that may be true and that really talks about, that really implies just the things that he does for us. And he does all those things. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. 
I'm talking about the very goodness of his nature, the very goodness of his person, the excellence of who he is. And you know, the, 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 the anointing, the glory, the manifestation of the glory is actually the, is the, the presence, it's the presence of his goodness being revealed. That's what the anointing is. It's the goodness of God. That's what they were singing about in Solomon's temple. Go check it out. What were they singing when the glory began to, oh, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. They got stuck on that part. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Oh, the Lord, he is good. The Lord, he is my good. He is the goodness to my soul. He himself, not what he does for me, but he himself is my good. I'm drinking in him. He is my portion, my treasure, my exceeding great reward. The Lord is my good. I need him and him alone. Yeah, I'm thankful for all he does. I'm thankful for his healings. I'm thankful for his provision. I'm thankful for, that he loads me with his benefits every day. But that's not what meets my need. What meets my need is God himself flooding my soul with himself. That's what I was created to enjoy. The very goodness of God himself in my soul. Amen. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. Now, so his goodness, listen, and we're going to think about the effects of his goodness causes us, one, one taste of his goodness, it causes us, like Peter did, to drop everything and follow him. His goodness. We saw it with Peter. Let's look at it with Isaiah. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew, and one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Now this is describing the manifest manifestation of the goodness of God. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That temple was filled with his glory. The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. This was the manifestation of the glory of God. And if you read the rest of this story, he begins to hear this voice crying out, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Whom shall I send to the nations? They've turned their, their back on God. The people's hearts are hard and they're callous. Whom shall I send and whom shall go for us? And here's Isaiah in the midst of the manifestation of the glory of the goodness of all God. And he finds himself. He can't help himself. He starts to cry out in the midst of all this commotion. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Send me. I'll go. I'll go. I'll follow you. I'll follow you in my day-to-day -day activities. I'll follow you in my job, in my career. I'll follow you in my family. I'll follow you, Lord God. I'll, I'll leave behind the other life that I was living, the other lifestyle, the foolishness, the compromise. I'll follow you, Lord God, wherever it leads, wherever it leads me. Amen. So his goodness causes us to follow him. Paul said in, in Romans 2, 4, this is awesome. He says, do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Wow. That's awesome. 
That's a message that this, this world needs today. You know, a lot of, our, a lot of this, the, the large megachurches in the cities across America today are, are preaching what they've espoused as the grace message, which is not the grace message at all. Because grace, when, when the amazing grace of God touches our heart, it doesn't give us an excuse to live the way we've already been living. It gives us a desire to follow God and His goodness in this new life of repentance. It's a tasting of the goodness of God that, that calls us out of what we were. Calls us out of compromise, of, of sexual impurity. Calls us out of homosexuality. Calls us out of substance abuse. Calls us out of alcoholism. And calls us into this new and living way. Oh yeah, in our fallen state, we're attracted to all those things. But in this new love of God, He draws us with His love. His goodness is strangely attractive. And as we praise Him, we're washed from our sins. And He transforms us into holy men and women of God. Changed. So this goodness of God, it causes me to follow Him. And like Isaiah, oh God, I am a man of unclean lips. And then the, the seraphim took the coals from off the, the fire of the altar and put it on his lips and purged his lips, just as, uh, as, as Paul the Apostle said, the goodness of God leads us, leads us out of one world and eat, leads us into a, a new world of transformation. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, he is good. This is, so I've got a couple of short quotes from Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon says that God is good benevolently. Let's, everyone say benevolently. Now, when I think of benevolence, I think of giving to the poor. Well, that's, our God is, he cares for the poor. But here's the catch. I am the poor that he's caring for. I am that poor beggar on the side of the road. I am the poor man in need of the help of God. I was Bartimaeus at the side of the road that this awesome Jesus bent down and spoke the word of life into his eyes. I am the, the wounded man on the, on the road when the Samaritan went by and poured on the oil and the wine. I am the beggar on the side of the road that needs the benevolent care of our gods. It says in Titus 3, for we ourselves also were once foolish and disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Did that describe any of you guys in the past? Covered pretty much everything. I, Paul was pretty thorough. We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Put it on a smiley face while we did it all. When the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, the kindness of man, the kindness of kindness and the love, the goodness of God appeared. The kindness and love and goodness of God appeared in the form of a man. Oh, glory to God, the goodness of God showed up on earth in the form of a man, Jesus of Nazareth, the manifestation of the goodness of our God in human flesh walking amongst us. Yes, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of His Holy Spirit, which He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is how Spurgeon said it. He says, He is good benevolent, benevolently 
tenderly bearing with our waywardness, striving with our rebellious wills, quickening us from our death in sin, and then training us for the skies as a loving nurse fosters her child. Woo! How generous, forgiving, and tender is this patient Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord God. Pour out your goodness, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for your patience and your kindness, Lord God, with each one of us. How you've loved us in the midst of all our, our foolish journeys and side, side journeys, Lord God. You've loved us. And Lord, wash us again and again. Pick us up, Lord God, and, and train us for the heavenlies to walk with you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now here's another, another word that this Spurgeon used. He said he is good operatively. He operates in goodness. In other words, he takes this goodness and he not only accepts us, this goodness gets on us and this goodness actually gets in us. The goodness gets in us. Thank you, Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a description of Christ in you is what that is. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now here's how Spurgeon said it. He said, all his works are good in the most imminent degree. He suggests good thoughts. He prompts good actions, reveals good truths applies good promises, assists in good attainments, and leads to good results. There's no spiritual good in all the world in which he is not the author and sustainer. Heaven itself will owe the perfect character of its redeemed inhabitants to his work. Thank you, Lord God. Operate in me, Lord God. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a huge part of what saturation is. We're allowing God to work his, his goodness into our very nature. Yeah, he's replacing stuff. He's taking out stuff. He's, he's finding stuff that's still, oh yeah, some of the old stuff, the skeleton matter from the past life that wants to hang around. He comes and as we get under the influence of his word and allow his word to operate on us, and as we get under the influence of his anointing and saturate in his goodness, in his presence, the goodness of God in his word, the goodness of God in his manifest presence begins to affect us and, and remove stuff and pour into us the goodness of God. And he begins to operate in us a new kind of life, a new kind of love. You become a new kind of dad, a new kind of husband, a new kind of mom, a new kind of mother, a new kind of wife, a new kind of employer, and a new kind of employee. You become a new kind of gospel worker. You become a new man, Christ in you, the goodness of God, operating his beauty in and through your life for his glory. I love it. Oh yeah, this is the goodness of God. And then, it's, then Virgin says, he is good officially. He's officially good. John 14, 16 out of the Amplified Bible. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter, a counselor. These are the shades of meaning in that word, alos parakletos. Counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he might remain with you forever. Now here's Spurgeon's take on it. He says he is good officially, whether as comforter, instructor, guide, sanctifier, quickener, 
or intercessor, he fulfills his office well, and each work is fraught with the highest good to the church of God. Now, I'm going to just take a moment, and let's just, let's just think about these, these, these ways that God is officially good in, 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 my, in my life and to my life. He comforts me in my affliction. Hallelujah. Is anyone afflicted today? Are you afflicted with sickness? He will comfort you and sustain you and heal you in your affliction. Are you afflicted with financial chaos? He will come to you and, and comfort you in the midst of your trouble. And he will bring you out of the horrible pit and bring you out into this place of abundance. He is good through and through, thoroughly and totally. He will be good in the midst of, in the midst of your affliction. And the paraclete, the awesome comforter will come and comfort you regardless of what you're facing. Yield to him. Open your heart to him. Allow his word to penetrate your soul. Allow his words of comfort to invade your life. Yes, and he is our instructor. He will instruct us in all matters of life. If you're lacking wisdom on, on how to do, how to do, how, how you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I, I like Paris and I always talk about, when we, when we first got married, we had no idea how to be parents. We had no idea. Paris had no idea how to be a mom. And she had to, to learn how to be a mom. God will come and instruct you. He'll bring people into your path. And he will himself come and instruct you. I had no clue. When I, when I began to pastor this church in 1979, I was absolutely clueless. I'd never been in a real church. I'd been in Bible school for four years. I was in a Christian commune. I was discipled and taught the Word of God. I had no understanding of the local church, but I found myself as a senior pastor with no training, with no, no natural ability to do it, but just God who is my heavenly instructor leading me day by day. He is my instructor. You might find yourself over your head in the places He puts you. He will be your instructor if you'll yield to Him and let Him come. He's our guide. He guides us into God's plan for your life. You might not have a clue. You might not have a clue what God's purpose and plan for your life is. Many people, before they come to Christ, they're drifting through life, not really realizing what their purpose or their plan is. You know, I enjoy sports as much as the next guy. I enjoy watching football. I enjoy the Saints. I enjoy watching golf or participating in those things. But that is not my purpose in life. And for the person that's, that's drifting, that's never found a purpose, sad to say, that becomes many people's purpose. Game day is what they live for all week long. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. That's the truth. Because there's no other purpose. I mean, it's not that it's more evil than anything else. It's just a void. It's like a vacuum. And football or whatever seems to just gravitate to vacuums. God will come and he will be, he will be your guides into God's plan for your life. He will, he will impart to you because, see, God is not a random God. You know, reading this book, I found a, a quote. This guy quoted Albert Einstein. I love this quote. He said, Albert Einstein said, God is not a gambler. He doesn't throw dice. In other words, everything is orchestrated. Everything is perfect and precise the way he plans it. Wow. He's not playing dice with your life. Your life is not random and you just got a bad, a bad hand or a bad throw. Your life is precise. His plans are perfect and precise. 
If there's a problem, it's you haven't got a revelation of his purpose and plans because you haven't drunk from the cup of his goodness deep enough. Drink of his goodness. And in the midst of that goodness, you will find, you will find guidance and inspiration for why you're here, for your purpose in life. And you will not be disappointed. You'll be excited and challenged and thrilled with joy as you embrace the plan of God. He is the God who sanctifies us. This process, this is the process and beauty of change. I love, I love this. You know, sanctification is one of those, those old-fashioned Christian words that's become like a curse word to many Christians. They throw it out. We don't ever use the word sanctify or holiness. Oh, well, let me tell you, I am a holiness preacher. I believe in holiness because the Bible says, the Bible says without holiness... Or without sanctification, it's the same word. Without sanctification, you'll never see the Lord. That's what it says in Hebrews. Now, sanctification is beautiful. Now, here's the, here's the beautiful. God is, you know, he is so opposite of what people think. We think of holiness. We think of austere and hard and difficult and, and miserable. But holiness, of all things, is connected to pleasure. That's what it's connected to. It's, con it's connected to the pleasures of God. And this is why, because the, the world promises, the sinful pleasures of this world make promises to you that it can't fulfill. It promises you if you'll cheat on your wife and have sex with this other woman, then you'll really be happy. It promises you if you'll drink this or take that, then you'll really be happy. It, there's a, a promise of pleasure and satisfaction in the pleasures of this world. And the problem is they only they only they only provide the, a temporary pleasure. It's not a lasting pleasure. So you have to add to it. You have to deepen it. You have to go further into it. And it's a snare and it's a trap. But God has a, another higher kind of pleasure. And that was the thing that caught me the most by surprise when I got saved. The foolish thing that kept me from accepting Christ. I was, I was just like circling around Christianity, circling around. I was carrying my Bible for six months before I got saved. I was, I was reading it. I was, I was piddling around. The reason I wouldn't jump into the pool is because I didn't want to stop smoking pot. That's why I wouldn't jump in. And when I tasted for myself one taste of His goodness, one taste of his goodness pot was no longer a question or a problem oh yeah i put away the foolish pleasures of this world because i had tasted a sweetness far superior and i i didn't want both i found a satisfaction in god that was good oh yeah legalism comes from not drinking enough of his goodness oh yeah Legalism and carnality come from the same pool. It's, it's called dry, dryness. Legalism is one side and compromise is on the other side. They both are caused by the same problem, not having enough of the new wine. It's the same problem. People just go, to, they fall in one of the ditches on one side of the road or the other. The same problem. And he, fin he quickens us. He quickens us. He quickens our emotions. If you've gone through, every one of us are carrying emotional trauma from our past, things that were said about us, things that were done to us, failures that we went through, disasters, unfulfilled dreams, and we're carrying that emotional baggage all around with us everywhere we go. 
And this Holy Spirit, the goodness of God, will come and quicken us and quicken our souls and remove that, that, that stuff from our life. He'll wash us and renew us and, and quicken us with his love. He'll quicken us physically. There's a physical impartation that comes into our bodies. And he empowers us in our lives to live a different quality of life than the lost live. He quickens us spiritually and gives us spiritual revelation. His goodness quickens us to the depths of our being, and he quickens us morally that we can live a higher kind of life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll finish with this. This will get us, we'll get, we're getting ready to take communion here this morning. He intercedes in us, this goodness of God, this awesome Holy Spirit, the goodness of God. It's, you know, the goodness of God is seen in Christ. It's demonstrated in Christ. It's poured out through the person of the Holy Spirit. We experience the goodness through the Holy Ghost. He, he pours out His goodness on us. He pours it out where the goodness of God, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He says it like this in Romans 8. He intercedes in us and through us. He's praying for us. You know, if you, you don't know how to pray or you, you feel like overwhelmed that the world is just too big. And, you know, that's why he gives us our, our heaven, heavenly language. I loved the video last week that one of the kids called it, they received their spirit language. That's powerful. The spirit language. It's a, it's a, a language of the, from the other worlds that comes inside of us. And it's, it's not about our mind. It's not about our understanding. It's not about our intellect. It's about, about healing and therapy and renewal and transformation. It's God working on the deepest part of our, our being. It's what the Bible teaches. This, this spirit language is powerful. It's therapeutic. It's, it, it reaches to the deepest depths of our soul. It's the handiwork of God reaching into us with His goodness and tweaking and healing and empowering and transforming us. Romans 8, 26 through 28, Paul says it like this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Well, the Holy Spirit only has one mouth on this earth, and that mouth is yours. He utters his prayers through the lips of his church. He moves on our hearts, and the prayers of Jesus are released by the person of the Holy Spirit to yielded vessels. And one of the most powerful prayer is yielding to God and allowing that spirit language that's formed in heaven itself to bubble up out of you. It's not angry. Oh, no, it's beautiful. It's edifying. It's lifting. It's God-filled, and it's, transform it's transformation. We know that all things, this is the fruit of that prayer. He, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, yes, this is for our good. These, prayer, these prayers are for our good and for the good of others. It's beautiful. We start yielding to God's goodness. We start yielding to the goodness of his presence, and it starts to form a prayer. Sometimes it begins to form a prayer that we can't really wrap our mind around it. We don't know. We really don't know. We don't understand what's going on. And it might come at first as a personal prayer. And, oh, it begins to come out in this beautiful, beautiful language of the Spirit, praying for, over your own personal situations. And it begins to 
promote healing and so forth in your life. And then, then he begins to come upon you and you'll have this strange, maybe you've felt this before. Have you ever been in a prayer time and suddenly, unexplainedly, you start having a strong love for someone else that you don't even know what's going on in their life. You just feel, maybe it's somebody that doesn't even like you or somebody you don't even like or, or whatever. And you start having this strange love for them. It's, that's, that's the Lord. That's the, that's the love of God. And so what do we do with that? We yield to it. We yield to that. We yield to that by, by prayer, by sotoreste, sambare. And as you yield to it, it'll deepen oftentimes. That's the intercessions of the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God praying through you for hurting people in this earth. Oh, we need that gift today. Our world's in desperate need. Oh, yeah, we need that anointing to come upon people to pray for, for our government, to pray for our officials to pray for, for our nation, to pray for the churches and the leaders of the churches that have, that have compromised, to let the love of God move our hearts and pray and intercede over the body of Christ in America, to pray that one more time, oh God, one more time there'd be an awesome wave, an irresistible wave of the Holy Spirit would come and rock our country one more time. Would you come and visit us again with the love of God? Would you visit us again with the power of God? Would you visit us again with a revival of signs, wonders, and miracles. Would you visit us again, oh Lord God, with a revival that causes the lost, the lost, the broken and the, broken and the hurting, oh, would you would come and compel them again to come into the house of God. Move upon our nation. Move upon our city. Oh Lord, spirit of intercession, move upon our lives. He said in the last days he'd pour out his spirit of grace and he'd pour out his spirit of prayer upon his sons and his daughters. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.